Um, in the past, you may be familiar with the GTEC challenges. This is just an opportunity. Thanks, guys. This is an opportunity for you um, to win some prizes. There's a bunch of things you could do in your GTEC there. Um, and if you do one of those things, take a photo, take a video of it, and get that to Lucy. Um, you'll be able to tally up a bunch of points, and the GTEC with the most points at the end will win an epic prize. I'm not sure what that prize is, but it will be epic. The other challenge, the other challenge though, is one, every year we get our fat t-shirts, but this year, on offer, is limited edition, long sleeve. Long sleeve. That's where it's at, limited edition long sleeve black t-shirts, it's pretty nice. But to get one of them, what you have to do, is each day, the best photo from fat, each day, um, take, if you get a photo and you reckon it's pretty good, or, or even a video, uh, post it on Instagram, hashtag fatevyouth, you can see it there. Or, if you don't have Instagram, take it to Shevin's, and he'll judge, and the best photo each day will be one of those shirts. So get on that, definitely worth it. Um, there's a bunch of stuff, make sure you don't lose book and chuck your name on it. Fat is, um, is going to be awesome. Because we're going to be able to dig into God's Word every day, um, we've got a couple of different series on um, this this week. We're going to be digging into idolatry, um, a series on idolatry that Jonah's going to be bringing to us. That's going to start tonight. And then tomorrow morning, we're going to start to dig into the book of Colossians, which actually, one thing I forgot to let you know in the book, tomorrow morning, first up, um, breakfast, but... Juniors are going to have breakfast first and then seniors. While juniors are having breakfast, seniors are going to get to do read and pray. You'll find that in your book as well. Read and pray is just an opportunity for us to dig into the book of Colossians by itself. Um, so maybe as a GT we could all, all find somewhere and then sit down with the Bible and start reading through Colossians. There's guides to help you through that. Um, and then the juniors are going to be able to do that while the seniors are going to go breakfast. So that's the booklet. But one other thing that we need to be aware of for fat. Um, there's one person who, more than anyone else, um, makes fat happen. So I'm going to get her up tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. makes fat happen. But to fact, there's much stuff that we actually have to know. Um, so tomorrow's going to let us know some of that stuff. There's a team of people who make that happen every year. Um, guys, I am really excited to be here for you guys this week. Um, I, I really love you guys and I love being with you and um, I'm excited to be with you. Um, there's a few things that I just need to tell you about how we can have a safe and good week together. And so I'm just going to take a few minutes, but I need you to stick with me and pay attention as we're going through all these things. Uh, so, first thing, if there is an emergency, if there is a crazy fire or something, there will be sirens that go out throughout this whole site. That is your sign that we need to evacuate. What happens then is we're all going to gather on Evacuation Hill. Now, Evacuation Hill, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to understand from the map, but I'm going to describe it to you right now. Evacuation Hill is if you walk up towards the first car park of this way, and keep walking past the office building, you'll come to the hill that is the evacuation hill. It's got a big um, sign saying staging area, that's it. So if you hear sirens at some point, go there and find your G team leader. So not your tent leader, not your group leader, your G team leader, and sit down with them. And we'll come and tell you what to do next. But hopefully that will happen. So, Next, next bunch of things are how you can stay safe over this week, and they're things that I need to pay, you to pay attention to. So the first thing is, be aware things are as they're happening. So if we're in here, your job is to be here. If we're playing a game, your job is to be out where the game's happening. Um, if, you're, if it's your time for a meal time, your job is to be where the meal time's happening. Um, so stay with where the group is uh, for that time. Uh, free time boundaries I've got to talk to you about. So, on the map, there's like this big uh, kind of line that goes down from the recreation hall down to a 
kindly to each other this week. And if someone bullies you this week, you make sure you tell the leader, because that is not on him. Any kind of physical violence is not on this week. And that includes things like wrestling and tackling football. Um, no contact sports, no physical violence. Now, I reckon there's probably, this next point is just to a couple of you out there. I reckon that possibly there might be one or two of you who have come away this week planning to do something dangerous to yourself or to other people. And to you, I would say, don't even think about it. Forget it. Don't go there. This is not the week of that. And we'll not allow dangerous things on camp this week. Things like alcohol or drugs or weapons. And so if you're someone who's made the mistake of bringing some of that stuff along, tonight is the night to hand that in. Before the end of tonight, go and find a leader, tell them you've made the mistake to bring it, give it over to them. Because if you're found with those things at any other time this week, you'll be going home. So they're the two things, love God and love each other. And if we are all on board with those things, I'm so excited for what this week could look like and the type of community and family that we could be here together. Um, so I'm going to get Jordi up and he's going to tell us about the last thing, Sam Crazy's. <laughs>
advice. Thank you, Derek. Hey, um, you guys have got those books there. That's great. Uh, some of the stuff in these talks has changed a little bit, and so things will move around a little bit, and that's okay. So the headings aren't perfect. Don't worry about that. The other thing is what was going to be talk two is now talk three. So I'll talk about that tomorrow. Don't worry about that. Anyway, that's all fine. Let's get into the Bible together. I'm keen. Now, um, counterfeit stuff, fake stuff, is never, Ben likes it, but everyone else, it's never as good as the real thing. Anyone here ever been to Thailand or Bali or somewhere like that? Chuck your hand up. Yeah. Um, they, they love the fake stuff there. They have counterfeit clothes, counterfeit sunglasses, counterfeit shoes, counterfeit iPhones, counterfeit video games. Just They have all this stuff they've just ripped off. But the fakes are never as good as a real thing. When I was in year eight, I didn't have lots of cash, and I went to Thailand, and I bought so much fake stuff. I thought it was the best thing in the world. I bought all these T-shirts and sunglasses and all this kind of stuff. I bought like four pairs of sunnies, right? Halfway through the holiday, before I'm even home from Thailand, two of the four of them are broken. Lenses are popping out of these things. The like, brand is like smudging off the sunnies. Arms are snapping off. It was a disaster. Now, I did some research on the interwebs this week. Turns out they're still into their counterfeit stuff over in Asia. Here's some stuff I found out this week. So who wouldn't like, first of all, this lovely pair of hikey sandals? I've seen some real ones rocking around this week. Um, there's some hikeys. Keep going. Who wouldn't want to like kind of get rid of your old cruddy pair of Connies and grab yourself some ball stars? That'd be pretty good, right? Um, they're, they're not exactly on the money, are they? Uh, my next, this one's pretty fun. Awesome Pamuas. They're pretty good. I don't, I'm sorry if I'm going to offend someone at this point, but I don't know if anyone would want to wear Pumas that look like that either, right? I don't know. That was risky, edgy. I'm sorry. I own a pair of Pamuas. Don't worry. That's, that's me too. Um, anyway. Counterfeits are never as good as the original. Now, when you're talking about sunnies or some rip-off shoes or something like that, the worst that can happen is you lose a few bucks and come home a little bit sad from your holiday in Asia. But what about if you worshipped a counterfeit God? What happens when you worship a fake God? Now, the Bible's word for counterfeit gods is idols. Idols are fake gods. And this week we're going to dig into that topic of idolatry. And what we're going to see is that idols are actually everywhere. And the one true God, the, rule, the, rule, the real God who rules over this earth, hates these fake gods. He hates them. And to waste your life worshipping a fake is actually the worst thing you could do with your life. But to live your life worshipping the one true God is the best thing you could do with your life. And so, this series really matters because you're going to actually work out what should you be doing with your life. This, this series is going to force you to ask hard questions about your life. It's kind of going to dig around in the dark corners of your heart and, and help you to think and challenge you about where your heart really lies. Does it lie with the real one true God or is it chasing after some other God? I want to pray that God would do big things in us this week by his word. So let's pray together now. Let's get into it. Father God, I pray please that you would do big things among us tonight. I pray first that you would help us to see you for who you are as the one person that should be worshipped. Please reveal yourself to us tonight to see you clearly. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to take these other fakes and do away with them for good. Father, please challenge us by your word. Help us to understand, help us to listen and, and change us by it. And all of that to your glory. Amen. All right, here's the first big thing you're going to see, and you've almost heard it already, but this is really what all of life is about. Here it is. We need to worship the one true God. That's what life's about. Uh, the passage that we're looking at in Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. It's the passage that God has for his people in the Old Testament, telling them how they should live. But before he tells them how they should live, the first thing you've got to see is why. Here's the why of the Ten Commandments. Look at verses 1 and 2. God spoke all these words and he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So he's reminding them here of how good he is. He's saying, I'm your God. I'm the one who brought you up out of Egypt. If you remember, they were in slavery in this foreign land, Egypt. 
and God rescued them. And he's reminding them of how good he's been, that he's pulled them out of slavery. He's been such a good God. He's saying, I'm worthy of worship. And we today have every reason to worship God as well, don't we? We've got every reason. We were in slavery, not in Egypt, but we were in slavery to sin. And Jesus came and he died on the cross and he's freed us from our sin and from death and from Satan. And so we have been freed from slavery as well. The cross is the great moment where we've been saved. And so we've got every reason to worship this God as well. Our God is the God who rules time and history. He created the world. He sustains the world. He keeps it together. He's incomprehensible. You can't understand all there is to understand about God. He's eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful. He's holy. He's perfect. He's good. He's loving and he's just. And that God sent his son to rescue us from slavery. That's how good our God is. And so just like Israel in the Old Testament, we have every reason to worship God as well. So back in Exodus, after reminding them of why he's so good... Look at verse 3 and see the first command. Here's what God wants them to hear. He says, You shall have no other gods before me. Now, when he says, Don't have any gods before me, he's not saying that, like, there's a whole bunch of gods, but I need to be the number one. So I've got to be in front of the rest of the gods. I've got to be ahead of them. He's not saying that. He's saying, basically, I don't want any gods in front of my face. Don't bring any other thing and put it in front of me and call it God. I'm the only God, I'm the one God, not the first God, the only God. So the point is, there is only one God, and it's the God of the Bible. And that is why idolatry is so serious and why it's so crazy. Because idolatry is taking the one true God, the one who really is the ruler, and taking something else that's so ridiculous in comparison, and it's putting that in the place of God and saying, you're God, not the real God, this thing's God instead. Idolatry is swapping the God of the universe for a pathetic substitute. That's what idolatry is. And it's evil because it devalues God. Now, I hate to bring up some old wounds for you guys, but you guys remember the whole Harambe thing, the gorilla? Yep. Um, just in case you missed it, there was a kid. Um, he fell into the enclosure at the zoo. Uh, and so that the kid didn't get killed or to make sure he was safe, the zookeepers killed the gorilla. And that was tragic, and I'm sorry that the gorilla got killed. That was a, a bad thing. I don't want to bring up, you know, should they, shouldn't have killed him or whatever. Um, but some of the stuff that people were saying online about this was crazy because people, you know, whether they had to kill him or not, I don't really mind, I don't care. But, you know, people were like going, oh, what? It was the kid's stupid fault that he fell in the enclosure and so the gorilla's got more right to live than him, so they should have killed the kid and not the gorilla. So people are saying stuff like that online. And it's crazy because a human life is more valuable than an animal's life. Now, maybe you don't agree with that, but the Bible says we are made in the image of God. Human life is valuable, and animal life is valuable too, but nothing compared to human life. It's awful when human life is devalued like that as people go crazy on the internet, Idolatry is evil because it takes the most valuable thing in the world, God himself, and exchanges that for a cheap substitute. It's evil. That's the first thing. That's the first thing you need to see. But here's the crazy thing. In spite of the fact that there's only one true God who you should worship, Israel worshipped other gods too. See, first of all, check out in verse 4. Here's the command not to worship other gods. Look at verse 4. He says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on the earth, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. So there's the command. Don't make idols. Don't worship idols. Now, in Israel's cultural context, you've got to get this. Their big danger was to literally do that, to grab some wood and metal or whatever and make an image and worship it, bow down to a statue. That was their danger. Now, that might sound crazy to you. You might be like, well, I'm not going to go home with some plywood and bang up an idol and be like, hail the 
plywood thing I made, right? That's not going to happen for you guys. But in their context, that's what all the other nations around them were doing. And that was a significant thing. And the temptation was to want to be like everyone else and worship other gods like they were. And in fact, that danger for Israel was so real that while, um, while Moses is up on a mountain getting these commands from God in Exodus chapter 20, this is God speaking to Moses, giving him the, tw- the Ten Commandments, Israel are down the bottom of a mountain, and guess what they're doing? They're about to make an idol. Come over to Exodus 32, just a few chapters over. So get this, Moses up the top of a mountain getting the Ten Commandments, and here's Israel down the bottom waiting for Moses. And look at what happens, starting in verse 1, Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, come, make us gods who will go before us. They want gods just like the other nations. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So like Moses has been gone for too long. He's, I don't know, he got stuck somewhere. We want to be like the other nations. Make us gods who are going to go before us into battle. And so they're like, Aaron, make us a god. Look at what happens in verse 2. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. And so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool, and they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. No, it didn't. A cow didn't bring them out of Egypt. The one true God brought them out of Egypt, and they're like, let's praise this cow for doing it. They're taking this statue that they literally just made, and they're going, you're our God now. Good on you. Thanks for bringing us out of Egypt. It's ridiculous. And so look at what happens in verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there's going to be a festival to the Lord. This isn't how God wants to be worshipped, but they're going to try. And so the next day, the people rose early and they sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry, which is how all the other nations around them worshipped their gods. Now, when God sees this happening down the mountain, he's furious. And pretty soon after, he's going to smash them for what they've done. It's horrible what's happening. And God comes in judgment. It's, it's like before he's even finished warning them, don't make idols, they're down the bottom just making a golden calf. It's, it's ridiculous. Idolatry is a sickening exchange that replaces the one true God with a pathetic substitute, a fake. Now... You might be hearing this and being like, silly Israel, you guys were so stupid back in the Old Testament, but I'm so glad I'm not like that. I'm so glad that I'm not a person who's going to go make a statue and bow down to it and worship an idol. Lucky me, I'm really good at this stuff. Israel were really bad. It seems like maybe avoiding idols is pretty easy. Don't go make a statue and bow down to it. Have you got that? Are you people on that? Cool. Let's go home. We're done. No, we're not, because here's the third thing to see. We worship other gods too. We worship other gods too. It just looks different to what it did for Israel. See, first of all, check out this up on the screen. This is Colossians chapter 3. It says this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. That's a weird way to talk, and we're going to figure out how that works in just a second, but I'll give you another example. Look at this, Philippians chapter 3, for as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. These people in Philippians are not living with God as their God, they're living with what is God? their stomach. Now, that sounds a bit funny. It could be talking about two things. It could be that it's saying these people are living for food and indulging in all nice food and all that kind of stuff, and that's what they're living for. Or the word that's been translated stomach there could be talking about something that's just a tiny bit lower than your stomach, 
And it could be saying they're living for sex, if you know what I mean. And so by treating statues like a god in, in Exodus, Israel worshipped other gods. When we treat money or food or sex or anything else as God, we're committing idolatry too. Here's how it works. Anything you put in the place of God is an idol. And so God alone is meant to be worshipped above all, but we worship and we obey sex. We make it the most important thing in our lives. It consumes our thoughts and directs our decisions, and we disobey God because we value sex more than God. See, when you choose pornography or you choose to hook up with that person or that party or whatever it is, what you're doing is you're saying to God, God, I want this thing that I know is against you more than I want you. We take it and we put it in the place of God. We put it above God. It doesn't even need to be sinful for sex to be an idol for you. So you might be someone who's trying to be godly in the way you use sex and you're holding out for marriage. Um, but more than anything else, you just can't wait to one day get married. So maybe for you, you've actually built your whole life around this idea that one day you're going to be married to this person and you will have sex in the right way, and in God, you know, God's way in marriage. But you've built your whole life around that. And that's really the whole trajectory of your life is headed toward this thing in marriage and sex. And so sex in marriage is a wonderful, good gift from God. But when you make it the ultimate thing, when you make it the purpose of your life, it's an idol, even if it's a good thing. <clears throat> God alone is meant to be served and trusted in. But we serve and we put our trust in money. Now, money in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's not evil to have money, right? But when we make, we make decisions, we work jobs, we build our whole lives around money. And you might not feel this yet, but that's pretty much the trajectory that everyone around you is on. Not because we like love little pieces of, we don't have paper, but little pieces of plastic where we're like, mm, I love money. You know? it's, it's not like we're just in love with these banknotes, right? We're in love with the thing that money buys us. And so we trust in it. If we have enough money, I'm going to be so happy. It'll buy me this car or that phone or whatever. And so we do anything for it and we serve it and money actually becomes our master. I'll give, you a, I'll give you an example of the, kind of the bigger thing I'm talking about here. Um, I'm married to my wife, Lyndall, and at our wedding, um, we made promises to each other. I made promises to her that she's the only person I would treat as my wife. Now, if I um, slept with another person, um, that would be cheating on her and that would be tragic. But I could also make a similar mistake by giving other things the place of my wife in my life. So imagine I really like Xbox, right? Really love it, it's what I live for. And instead of talking to my wife, I just spend all my time gaming all day playing Xbox. And I just ignore her and just kind of play and play and play. And then things get worse because like one day I'm like to my wife, you know what, um, yeah, Lyndall, I love you, but I think I need to just get away, you know? Get away with me and the Xbox and just spend some quality time together. Maybe go somewhere up north, somewhere it's nice and quiet. Uh, I just I think we want men to be alone and just really get into the, the new whatever game I'm playing, right? Um, you know, or at night I'm like, you know, Lyndall, I love you, but me and the Xbox had a really good run online just now, and I think would you mind if we went and slept in the spare bed tonight, just me and the Xbox? I just want to spend some time where we had a really good run. I just want to be near it, you know. Now, I'm not literally cheating on my wife with my Xbox, um, but there's something wrong there, isn't there? <clears throat> that's what we do to God with our idols. It's not as though these things that money or sex or whatever else, it's not as though these things are literally called the God of money or the God of sex or whatever. They're just things, right? But when we treat them like God, we are cheating on God. We're cheating on God. And what's the problem with that? Well, the first thing is those things aren't God. And so they make really lousy substitutes. They didn't make us, we made them. We turned them into gods, just like Israel. And so just like a dodgy pair of sunnies from Bali, these fake gods are always going to disappoint you. They'll always let you down. They'll never satisfy. Following a fake god will not make your life better. That's one problem. But there's a much bigger problem as well. And here's the bigger problem. It's the fourth thing you're going to see this tonight. <clears throat> God 
is a jealous God. You come back in Exodus with me, Exodus chapter 20, come back there. And you're going to see that God is a jealous God. Look at verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God is a jealous God. It, mentions, it says that he's gracious as well, but he's jealous. Now, when we think about jealousy, I think we almost always think of that as a bad thing, right? You go, oh, that person's so jealous. You're like, oh, they're not very good then. Um, and often jealousy is a bad thing. But when it's about the right thing, jealousy is a good thing. If my wife isn't jealous when I start sleeping in the spare room with my Xbox and going on holidays with it, that's a problem, <laughs> God is jealous when we cheat on him with idols. And he should be. That's a good thing. He alone is God. He alone deserves to be worshipped. He's a jealous God. He hates idolatry. Hates it. And he punishes it. It says in the, in the verse right there, he punishes it. Now, ultimately, in the New Testament, um, it says that the punishment for idolatry is hell. It's the final judgment of where you'll spend eternity. And so that's pretty serious. Think about this for a second. Is there anything in your life that you value more than God? Is there anything in your life that you serve and obey and it kind of pushes you around as if it were God? Is there anything that you're worshipping instead of the one true God? If it is, that's an idol. And God is jealous, and he's furious when we run after other gods. And so what do we do about this? What do we do about this problem of idolatry? What do we do? How do we make it right? Here's the last thing to see. We need to be rescued, and we need to replace our idols. Now, coming to the New Testament, back into 1 Thessalonians, which Derek read for us earlier, and check this out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now, this this passage is talking about some Christians, right? Um, And they've been saved from idolatry. And you'll see in verse 9, the first thing is the replacement for the idols. Look at verse 9. They themselves report the kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God. So that was a two-step process there. This replacement of our idols was a two-step one. The first thing they did is they turned to God. They turned to God and they turned away from their idols. So they turned to the real God and they chucked out the idol instead. It's like, you know how you kind of have these countries that are run by an evil dictator or something like that, kind of picture North Korea or something like that. Um, Now, America could just kind of come in and take over that country and like clear out the evil dictator and get rid of him. But unless that bad leader gets replaced by a new leader who's actually a good leader, um, another dodgy leader is just going to pop up in that same country and the same thing's going to happen. When we remove idols from our lives, you can't just leave that spot empty. You can't be like, oh, the idol of greed, get rid of it. Sweet, I'm done. You actually need to put the real God in that place. You were made to worship something. Every single person in this room, Christian or not, you need to realize this, you were made to worship. And so it's not enough just to get rid of the things that you shouldn't be worshiping. If you don't replace that with the real God, you're going to find another idol. Something else is going to pop up instead. It's like, I don't know if you've seen these things, but you know those whack-a-mole things that you might see, like time zone or intensity? One of you has, that's fantastic. You know, there's these little things where these little things are popping up on this game, and you've got a hammer, and you're like, there's one, bang, and you hit it, and another one's like, boink, and you're like, oh, bang, and you're trying to hit it, and you're whacking down the mole, but there's always more popping up. That's what it's like with idols. Another one's always going to pop up, unless you start worshipping the one true God. So there's step one. You need to replace the idol. But remember from Exodus, God's a jealous God. He's furious at our idolatry. And so there needs to be a second thing. We need to be rescued 
from our idolatry. Look at verse 10, or the second half of verse 9. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God and wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Jesus rescues us from God's anger at our idolatry. And he did that when he died on the cross. He took God's anger at our sin upon himself. He rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, a few weeks ago, um, there was a terror attack in France. Some of you might have heard about this. Um, some guy, a guy from the Islamic State um, took some hostages in a supermarket, holding these people at gunpoint. And a French police officer, this guy here, um, he's a legend, he, he offered to do a hostage swap. And so he left his guns behind, and he walked into the shopping centre, and this girl was released, the lady from the shop was released, and he walked in. And so... He goes in, she comes out. And the most crazy thing is this guy opened fire in the supermarket and he killed this police officer. Literally, he swapped places with her. He died, she lived. That's like what Jesus has done for us. Except we're not innocent victims in a shopping centre. God's not like a terrorist. We've offended the one true God. We deserve his anger, his judgment for our idolatry. But Jesus offers to swap places with us he steps into our place at the cross when Jesus died he took our punishment he swaps with us he faced the anger that was meant for us and that's incredible news for us idolaters because it means it's the solution to our idol problem God's anger is dealt with and we get to go free if our trust is in him that's ultimately how you deal with this idolatry problem Now, in the next three talks, um, over the next three nights, we're going to be talking about how to remove and replace our idols. That's what we're going to be digging into, the nitty-gritty of how to deal with different idols in your life. And it's going to be good. But as we do all of that, you have to have this locked into your brain, all right? We can't rescue ourselves from idols. We need Jesus to do that. I'll say it again because it's that important. I don't want anyone to miss it. We can't rescue ourselves from idols. We need Jesus to do that. Secondly, though, as you lock that into your brain, here's the other big thing I want to ask you guys. This week, will you commit to chucking out the idols that are in your life? Will you let God dig around in your life and and expose the idols that may be there? See, I think sometimes with our lives, we can kind of tend to do this. We've got all these different things in life that we really love. And so you've got your girlfriend and you've got your video gaming and you've got your phone and you've got your hobby and you've got your sport and there's all these things that we love so much, right? And I think sometimes we walk around like this and we don't want anyone to get at these things that we love and we're holding them back and we're even kind of like, stay away from this stuff, God, and you don't want him to really get in there either because we just love it so much, right? We're just holding on to this stuff. The challenge for us this week is to just do this with your life and just go, God, here it is, this is my life. Some of this stuff may be fine, some of it might be idols, I don't even know yet, but God, all of it is yours. Show me what's going on in my life. Open yourself up to hear God's word so that no matter what you hear, no matter how hard it is to hear, if there's something going on for you that's an idol, rather than be like, stay out of it, God, you're just going to be like, show me where it is and I'm going to follow you because you're the one true God and you're better than whatever else it is. Are you willing to do that this week with the one true God? Let him show you what's really going on. That's my prayer for us this week, and so let's pray now. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that this week, as we look at your word, that you would grip us with how good you really are. Please show yourself to us such that everything else is just nothing in comparison. So please show us how wonderful you are. And I pray, Lord, that this week you would really dig around in our lives. Father, I pray we'd learn new things about ourselves this week that we hadn't seen before. And I pray that you'd give us the courage to obey you. Please, Lord, help us to to follow you wherever that's going to take us, no matter what the cost, because you are so worth it and so worthy of all of our worship.
Amen.